0: On John chapter number 15, John chapter number 15, John chapter number 15, I want to talk to you today about a personal God or our relationship with God, Um, uh, that God wants to have a relationship with us. And I'm excited about that. Here in John chapter number 15, if you have found that, if you'll go ahead and stand with me. John chapter 15, we're just going to read one verse here, and that is verse 15, John 15, 15. The Bible says, henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you, but I, call, but I have called you friends. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, thank you for this opportunity to open your word and, uh, Lord, we came here to hear from you, not from me. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help me to get up here and say exactly what you want me to say and nothing else. And, Lord, as I'm speaking here, that you'd work in each one of our hearts. You would draw us closer to you. Lord, help us to have that desire to build our relationship with you. And, Lord, when when we leave here, we would say that God met with us. I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, John fifteen fifteen. there. The Bible, Jesus said, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. Um, now, I've never had a servant. Um, uh, uh, I've, I, it'd probably be nice if I did have one, but um, I, I've never had one. Uh, servant doesn't always get told why things are being done. They just get told to do them. I've never had a servant, but I've had kids. And um, there are times I, I don't tell them why something is the way it is. I just tell them, this is what you are to do. And um, I, I just give them that information. Now, now they are my kids. They, they mean more to me than a servant. Um, as a matter of fact, while there may be times I just tell them, do it because I said so, um, I do that knowing that I don't want to leave them there. Man, as they're getting a little older, I want to teach them the why. I, I want to teach them the relationship. I, I want to teach them uh, why we go to church, why we follow God. When they're little, they may just say, Daddy said so in the story, but they're not a servant. They mean much more to me than a servant. As a matter of fact, there's some verses that talk about that. And um, I like this here that Jesus says, "I, I don't call you servants, but he says, I call you friends. He says there, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known unto you. And Jesus looks at him and says, you're not servants for me to just give a command to. Your friends. There's a relationship there. And aren't you thankful that God is a God of relationships? Um, he could have just put us here on this earth and made us robots. And we didn't have a choice, but he didn't want that. He could have just commanded us, and, and that would have been the, the end of it. But he built us to have a relationship with him. We understand relationships. There are all different kinds of relationships in life. Um, uh, you, you have relationships at work. And uh, sometimes uh, sometimes you've got to have a relationship at work with someone that maybe you don't like. And uh, maybe you just don't naturally get along with. Um, I have lots of testimonies about that with, you know, with where I work and who I work with. It, uh, pray for me. Pray for me. Um, but, um, man, it, it, there, there are a lot of different relationships. It, it may be something like that at work. And you've got to learn how to work in those relationships, right? I mean, sometimes it's a strained relationship. It may be something like that. Here's someone that I, I don't naturally get along with, but I have to learn how to get along with them. As as a youth pastor, I, I work with teenagers a lot of times there. I'll talk with someone when they first get, their, get a first job or something. I'm like, man, you, you've got to know how to deal with people. It's different than just... Being raised in your home and how you get along with your brothers and sisters and your mom and dad. Uh, You know, that's family. Um, You're going to work now and you're dealing with different people, different relationships. Um, Sometimes that can be a real learning experience. Um, Man, sometimes we can have relationships that maybe it is with family or someone else that we care about, but that has been strained and that we look and say, how do I repair this relationship? You ever been there? Um, man, here's someone that I care about, and I want to repair this relationship. Sometimes you can be in a situation like that where the other side doesn't seem to be as interested in repairing the relationship. Maybe even anti-repairing that relationship. And man, how, how, do, how, do, I, how do I repair this relationship? How do I build this relationship? Some of it is on relationship building. How, how do I build a relationship? We just came back Um, from Indiana where my sister got married on Friday night. Um, Abby married Kyle Pullen. And um, man, they stood there at the altar, beautiful wedding. Um, Everything was great. I told my wife, it reminded me of ours some, because as I looked at them, just the big smiles on their face the entire time. And um, I know that our wedding, my, my cheeks hurt because I was just smiling the whole time. Um, you know, her parents might have been crying. My parents might have been, oh, oh. I was smiling. I was like, man, this is, this is the best day ever. Um, and I, I was excited. I smiled the whole time. They smiled the whole time. I, I love being at a wedding where you've got a bride and groom smiling and you've got parents that are happy. And uh, man, I was at one of those weddings. And that is a good thing. And I'll tell you this, that doesn't come easy or cheap. But um, man, it is worth it. It was worth it to see that and um, man it wasn't too long ago um, Abby called me up and said hey there's this guy who is uh, who wants to talk to me and he heard about me he'd, he'd seen my dad and some stuff like that and uh, he tried to contact her on Facebook tried to befriend her and um, Abby was like I don't know about this and and um, you know, talking about that, not even meeting the guy. And then she, uh, she called me and said, oh, he's coming down. And she let the family know, oh, he's, he's coming to visit and all. And it wasn't too long ago that they were at, if you will, the baby stages of that relationship. And, man, that relationship grew and grew till Friday. I'm standing there with them, and they're vowing their lives to each other. Saying, I am willing to give my all for this person. And keep myself only for this person. And vowing themselves to each other. And that relationship grew. We, we understand relationships. We've seen relationships. The thing I like in this verse here is it's God saying he wants a relationship with us. You know, God created us as relationship beings. Every one of us needs relationships in our life. And we are created that. We need people. We need that connection. And I know some of you may say, well, I'm a, I'm a little bit of an introvert or a lot of bit of an introvert. And, um, but even the most introverted introvert needs relationships, needs people. Every one of us were, were made that way. It's in our fiber. It's our being. We need relationships. We need others. You know, what I think when God created us that way, he was mirroring his image. Remember in Genesis where it says, let us create man in our image. In the image of God created he them, male and female created he them. God looked and he made us in his image. I understand my need for a relationship with God, that I am dependent on that. I rely on that. Um, Jesus said in the book of John and verse 15, for without me, ye can do nothing. You can do nothing. I understand my relationship, uh, my need of a relationship with God. As a matter of fact, when I see people who have no relationship with God, I don't know how they make it through life. I mean, have you ever gone through a situation in your life and uh, a terrible situation maybe, or, or something you're going and you don't know how it's going to turn out. You don't see how it's going to happen, but you knew the one who holds tomorrow. And as you made it through there, and you could look back on it, you said, well, thank God for my relationship with God. That God guided me through that. Man, I'm thankful for that. And I understand my dependence upon God. But I also see here that God created us in his image. I mean, God created us to have that relationship with him. He desires and needs that relationship with us. We're going to look at some verses today on that God's desire and need for that personal relationship with us. And with that, some of our relationship with him. I was coming back from the wedding and driving back and just looking at the wedding and Kyle and Abby and relationships. And it got me thinking on my relationship with God and some of the things I rely on him about. And so I started focusing on relationships and stuff like that. And I want to look at uh, a couple things here, how God desires a personal relationship with us and how God works with us. I, I see, first of all, first off with salvation, man, God offers a personal relationship with salvation. God knew that we would be sinners, right? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God knew that each one of us would be sinners. God knew it when he put Adam and Eve in the garden with no sin. He knew where that was heading. He knew that there would be sin and that all men would be sinners. And God knew what sin does. In uh, Isaiah 59 and verse two, it says, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear you. God knew that sin would bring a separation between us and him. Um, The Bible talks about that um, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin for the all of sin. Um, man, there was a death there. God told Adam and Eve, in the day you eat of that tree, ye shall surely die. Now, their physical death came in, but in the day that they ate of that tree, they did not physically die right there. Their life was not over, but spiritually, there was a death there. That spirit, that communication with God, that relationship there, there was a division there. And that, that's where that death came in. There was a division between God and man. It, sin separates us from God. God knew that ultimately the punishment for that would be hell. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. Revelations 20, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is a second death. God looked down and he said, sin will separate you from me. And with that sin comes a payment that has to be paid, and that is death in hell. Man, every one of us in here is a sinner. And if we pay the price for our sin, we have to go to hell. Now, I can try and be the best person I can be. I can go to church all the time. I can give money to the poor. I can help my neighbors. I can try not to lie. I can try and do all the things that we would look at And say, this is what good people do. None of those change the fact that I'm a sinner. I am a sinner. That's who I am. I've already sinned. And the price for that is death in hell. And God knew that, but God did not want that. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is longsuffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is not willing that any should perish. God's desire is for no one to go to hell. He wants a personal relationship established with each one of us with salvation. Amen. So God sent his only begotten son to die on the cross. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God said each one of them is a sinner. The price for that is death and hell. If they pay that price, they have to go to hell. But I don't want that. So I'm going to send my only begotten son, the only perfect one, the only worthy lamb, to go down there and pay the price for them. You know the story. We're, We're celebrating Christmas here. Jesus Christ came, born to a virgin, born in that stable, laid in that manger, went on to live a perfect life yet they hung him on the cross and killed him. Why did God send Jesus Christ to a world that would do that? For God so loved the world. Relationship. Relationship. God looked down and said, that relationship is broken. They are sinners. They cannot come to me. They cannot come to heaven. I will send my own son to die on the cross and pay that price for them. Romans 5 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ paid that price. So when we call upon him, that relationship could be mended. Right? The Bible says in Romans 10 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's a promise not a maybe, not a might be, shall, that's sure. Man, any one of them, God looked down on the sin-cursed earth and he said, every one of them is a sinner. Every one of them deserved to die and go to hell, but I don't want that. So Jesus Christ came and died on the cross to pay that price. God offers it to every one of us and he promises us, if you will accept my son, you will mend that relationship with me and you can have a home in heaven. Man, I see God is interested in a relationship with each one of us for salvation. But I also as I look at the Bible and I look at Jesus and God and their desire for a relationship with me, I see that goes beyond just salvation. Man, that is for life. I'm thankful for that. God wants a relationship with me in my everyday life for how I live my life all along the way. And as I was beginning to think about my relationship with God and how dependent upon Him that I was, man, I I thought of some of these verses and his desire for that relationship. Psalms 23, one of the most familiar psalms in the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is there. This was written by David. Um, David knew about being a shepherd, right? Right? He was out there. He kept his father's sheep. He protected them. He provided for them. As a matter of fact, I think that's why some of the verses here, that the Holy Ghost led him to write how specific it is. And we'll look at some of them here in a minute. But David knew what a shepherd was. David knew that a shepherd gave his all for the sheep. Remember David as he comes and he hears Goliath talking there. And he's like, man, is there not a cause? I'll fight this giant. And so he goes in to see Saul. And Saul comes and he's like, what are you doing? Um, He looks, he says, you're a boy. You're a little boy. You can't fight this battle. He is a giant. He was a warrior since he was a young man, since he was a youth. And um, he says, you can't handle this. And what does David say? David says, I can do this. Let me tell you about when I was a shepherd and there was a danger to my flock. Remember that story? I, w- I really want to know more about the story, uh, to be honest with you. Um, I'm going to ask David. Uh, I'll probably just be perfect in heaven. I know. Some of you thought I was already. No. Um, I- I'll be perfect there. I may just know it. But I, I want to hear it from him. As David says, tells Saul, man, I was a shepherd. And there I was, and a lion came and had one of my lambs. And I went, and I grabbed him by the beard, and I rent him. Like, that is not enough information. I, I-, I want to know this. How did this go about? You know, just in case I ever see a lion and I got to grab him by the beard. And and he just kind of smirks at me for a second. Um, You know, I I, I want to know that story. David's like, hey, I've been a shepherd and I know what it is to give my all for the sheep. David said there was a bear that came. And man, I went out and I fought that bear. Man, David, as he's writing here, the Lord is my shepherd. He gives himself for me. I shall not want. I know with the Lord is my shepherd. He's going to take care of me. He goes on, um, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Man, man, he he provides for me, right? He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He knows where the good food is. He knows where the provision is. He leads me there, man. He Hey, this is a good pasture. You can eat here. Sheep uh, um, are dumb. Um, when I was growing up, you know, it's funny. Uh, my dad said, um, he, he talks about things you learn the older you get. And Um, he said, even pastors, things you learn. He's like, man. When I was young, he said, I had a, a, a church. He started, um, uh, over in, uh, Alton, Illinois. That's where I was born over there. And he said, I started this church and he said, I had some people coming in and we were growing as a church. And he said, I got up and I preached on that. The people are sheep. So I preached on the people being sheep. And he said, my whole message was on dumb sheep. And, uh, um, but uh, he said, he goes, you know, I would, I would word things a little different today. But, um, man, sheep are dumb. And I remember studying them in, in school. And they will go, and if they are left somewhere, they will eat everything there. Eat it down to the dirt. They will eat rocks. They will eat anything that is there and just keep eating. And David here says, He maketh me lie down in green pastures. Man, he knows the good places. He knows where I'm provided for. He gives me provision. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He knows where the refreshment comes from. Man, he leads me to those places. He takes care of me. Verse three, he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He restoreth my soul. I I, I love that there. Man, I mentioned already, I, I don't know how the world goes through certain circumstances without knowing God. Because he restoreth my soul. Have you ever gone through a situation that, to be honest with you, looked hopeless? Like, I, I don't know what I, what I'm, how I'm going to make it through this. I, I can't see the Lord trying to bring anything good. I, I know he promised that he'll work all things out for his good. But in this situation, I don't see anything. What is going on here, Lord? I can't see you at work. And yet, as you put your trust in him, he brings that restoration And he restoreth my soul. Man, I've told you all before, that time the girls were in the hospital and I was up there in the hospital with them and I knew I needed to read my Bible and I kept telling the Lord, there's nowhere I can go in that Bible and get comfort. There's nowhere I can turn to, Lord. I don't understand this. I don't don't see you at work in this situation. But when I picked up my Bible, when I went to him and he restored my soul, The peace that comes through that. Verses that I still run to Psalms 91, 14, and 15 that I go to, that God gave me during that time. Why? He restoreth my soul. He's always there. Hey, I may not see his hand at work, but I know he's working. And he brings that restoration. Um, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Man, leads me in the path. I'm so thankful for this. I know none of you ever make dumb decisions. But man, there have been some times I've been looking and I have tried to figure things out in in my own mind and in my own great wisdom and tried to figure out the path and try and lay it out there and I have blown it. I look and say, oh, what am I doing here? But every time I followed the Lord, even in those times when it didn't make sense, He always came through. He led me in the paths of righteousness. Man, I'm thankful for a God who's right there saying, hey, Adam, this is the way. I love there's verses in Isaiah that says, and ye shall hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. Man, I'm thankful for a God who says, I'll lead you in the paths of righteousness. He is there for me to lead me and to guide me. Um. The Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Um, Man, some of you in here have probably walked through the valley of the shadow of death. People in here that, man, that close to death's door. Who was there with you? Man, I've seen people walk that journey. I think of my grandma, when she passed away, they were at church on a Sunday night, and afterwards, they went and got root beer floats from A&W Root Beer. Um, that's the best root beer. And uh, they went, got some A&W Root Beer floats, and went home and sat down in their living room, and they were drinking their root beer floats. And my grandma looked at my grandpa, and she goes, I've got a headache, Al. And she got up and started walking to the kitchen to get some um, headache medicine, took about three or four steps and just fell down. And she had a brain aneurysm. And I remember getting the call. I was still at church. Uh, We all just took off and went to Papa and Grandma's house and um, came in and there she was laying um, on the living room floor. Uh, A couple paramedics had come in and they were were there trying to work on her. I remember them rushing her to the hospital. It's all going over there. We spent the night in the the waiting room. um, And... um, It took turns going in, into the room there. And I remember my grandpa sitting there beside grandma and just holding her hand and just patting it. Laverne, it's all right. You're with the Lord now. Laverne, it's all right. Everything's okay. Say hello to so-and-so and and -and so-and-so. And all night long, my grandpa just sat there, patted her hand, telling her it was all right. Walking through the valley of the shadow of death at a time, honestly, when all of us should have been going to Grandpa and saying, Grandpa, it's going to be all right. Grandpa's sitting there saying, it's all right, Laverne. You're with God. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I I love that. He he's taking care of me, he's providing for me. But I also love that he added there in the presence of mine enemies, that those on the outside looking in are like, Man, I thought we had this guy beat. How in the world does he keep getting provision? How in the world does this guy keep going? And, and I love that. It says, in the presence of mine enemies, that God is taking care of me in such a way that it's obvious to the world out there that God is with me. And he's walking with me, and he's taking care of me, and he's providing for me. Um, Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over the blessings of God. The blessings of God. We just went through Thanksgiving, and we took time to look at things we gave thanks for. We had a service here uh, that Tuesday night and sat in here and started giving testimony and testimony, testimony of things that God had done. And if we would have just opened that up, we could have been here all night. Why? Because God is exceedingly good to us. Man, I love the verses, um, exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. And that's how good God is for us. He has reserved those things for us and I'm thankful for that, his blessings Verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I know that as I'm walking with God, I can trust him for all the days of my life. He's always been there. He has been faithful, and he'll see me through all the way to the end. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I have an assurance that I'm going to heaven with the Lord. I've accepted him. Hey, I've got that settled there on my relationship with God for salvation. And if you don't have that settled, get that settled today. Man, I have that settled, and I know then that I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What is that chapter? Relationship. Relationship. God does all of that for me. Man, he wants that relationship with me. I think of where Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28, come on to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matter of fact, I could paraphrase that. Man, when you're going through life, and it is so busy, you're laboring, you're working hard, you're pulled every which direction. Man, you are doing everything you can. You are weary. Man, you're worn out. You're discouraged. You're looking and saying, How's this going to turn out? How am I going to do this? How am I going to get this all done? And what does Jesus say? Just come to me. Man, come to me. Spend some time with me. Build a relationship with me. And I will give you rest. Relationship. God is looking, whatever you're going through in life, come to me. I am where that rest comes from. I want that relationship with you, John twenty three thirty seven says, "O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not." Man, I love that verse. I I, I love it for two reasons. One, because God is telling us, man, I, I want to gather you like a hen would her chicks, and gather them protect them, provide for them. He, he says, I want to do that. But I also love it because this, I see there that God says, I'm willing to do that for anybody, right? He says, "Oh Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest those that I sent to you. God is saying, those of you who fight against me, how often do I want to come to you and comfort and protect you and provide for you? Why? God is a God who needs that relationship with us. He desires That relationship, I I love a a couple different people in the Bible, Uh, Enoch, Genesis 524, the Bible says, and Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. God was walking with Enoch, I, I picture almost like Adam and Eve had the opportunity in the Garden of Eden, right? Man, God would come to them in the cool of the day and just walk and fellowship with them and talk with them. And I kind of picture Enoch as doing that. Enoch, now not living in the Garden of Eden, may not have had that opportunity to begin with, but he started looking and saying, I want to know God. I want to walk with God. I want that And I can't walk in the cool of the day and see him there, but how close can I get to him? How can I walk with him? And can I tell you this? You're not going to walk in the cool of the day with God the Father standing right there in a tangible way that you can see and you can talk to. But Enoch couldn't either. But Enoch walked with God till it got to the place where God's just like, Enoch, I don't want this just a couple times a day. Why don't you just come on up here with me? Took him with him. I think of Abraham. Abraham, the Bible says in Genesis uh, chapter number 12 and verse one, now the Lord said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. The Bible there, now the Lord said unto Abram, Uh, when I look at Abraham's life, um, Abraham was known as the friend of God, right? He had a relationship with God. Last night, I was looking down through the life of Abraham, and I scanned quickly, so I might have missed some. But from Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis 21, I counted at least 14 times, and that's not counting all the times when they were having a conversation and kind of went back and forth, but at least 14 times where the Bible says something like, the Lord said unto Abram, God came unto Abraham and said, God came to Abram in a dream or in a vision. Man, at least 14 times the Bible says specifically that God spoke with Abraham. You know, I I was thinking of this as I was driving, I was thinking of my relationship with God and God's relationship with me, and I thought this, as I, I read Abraham's life, at least 14 times specifically, And I thought, um, when is the last time that I could look and say, I know God said, Adam, here is my will. Now, here's the time thing I, I can look and I can say, I live in a different time than Abraham. I can look and say, you know, Abraham was a friend of God and just that communication was just open more. Or I can go to the Bible and I can look and say where God says, I'm the Lord, I change not. I can look at the Bible where it says something like, and you help me remember, something like the same yesterday, today, and forever. That basically the same God who said, I will be, I will have Abraham as my friend. I will be Abraham's friend. I will talk with him. I will lead him and I will guide him. And I can look and say, that is my God as well. Why is there a problem between me and God? Why is it I don't have, hey, God told me this, and God told me that? What, what is that? What is the problem there? Could it be that I'm not the friend of God like Abraham was the friend of God? And God desires a relationship with us. And you, you can look at other people in the Bible. Those, those are two quick stories there. Um, you know, one of the things I see with God, and I'm thankful for this, and, and we saw this in Psalms 23, all that David says there. I, I want to pull out a couple things real quick on how God comes to people in their time of need. God comes to people in their time of need. I, I, I immediately think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, I, I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you know the story. They come, and uh, they're, they're kidnapped, taken to a foreign land. They're there in Babylon. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar is the king. And Nebuchadnezzar builds an image and says, I want everybody to bow down to my image. So he brings in all the bigwigs, anyone who's a captain or a governor or a- anyone who's somebody in the kingdom. And he brings them all there. and says, all right, I'm gonna play the music. When the music plays, you bow down and worship my golden image. And um, so the music plays and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like, uh, I- I've made a commitment to my God. I have a relationship with my God that I, I, I'm not bowing down to another God. I, I'm not going to do it. Word comes to Nebuchadnezzar, and he gets mad. He brings him in, like, what is it? Is this so? You didn't bow down to my image? I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to have them play again, and I want you to bow down. And I love their answer. We are not careful Amen. to answer thee, O king. I, 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 you know what, king? I don't have to go and pray about it. I don't have to take time and say, "Ooh, how can I word this right?" I'm not careful. Amen. I have a relationship with my God that stops me from bowing down to any other God, and I'm not going to mince words. I'm not going to try and be. Not, I'm not bowing down to your God. And my God, who I serve, the three of us, we serve the God who is able to deliver us from your fiery furnace. It, you can't hurt us, but if God chooses not to. And God chooses that when you throw us into that burning fire or furnace, I die. I'm, my relationship with my God is too strong for me to walk into death and say, I'll forget God and bow down to your God. I'm not going to bow. I don't care what you throw at me. I don't care what the judgment is. I will not bow down. Nebuchadnezzar gets mad. And, and you know the story. He has them. Uh, light the furnace hot, hotter and hotter, seven times hotter till, the, till it got to the point where he had the big buff soldiers come up and throw them in and they are consumed with the fire. They die from the heat coming off of the furnace there and they throw them in. And then I love these verses in Daniel 3, verses 24 and 25. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, true, O king. He answered and said, lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. What happened there? These three guys took a stand for their God and Jesus Christ came down and said, guys, I know it's about to get hot. Man, I know this fire is raging. I know that in the world's eyes, there's nothing you can do. But you chose stand by me. You chose a relationship with me over anything else, and I'm walking with you in the fire. Man, I love that. I love that we see God comes to people in their time of need. I think of Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha, remember the story? It's in uh, uh, John chapter number 11, and... um, They're there, and news comes to Jesus that Lazarus is sick. And Jesus tarries a couple days until Lazarus passes away. And Jesus tells his disciples, hey, we need to go back over there. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. The Jews tried to kill you there, remember? And Jesus said, yeah, but we need to go there. Someone needs me. Jesus takes off, and he comes in, and Mary meets him, or Martha meets him and says, oh, Lord, if you'd been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Jesus said, I, I am the resurrection and the life. I can give him life. Comes on, Mary comes out to meet him. They go to the tomb and Mary is weeping and crying and, and everybody's there. And every student's favorite memory verse, John 11:35. 35, Jesus wept, right? Jesus wept. Now, I'll be honest with you, kind of a funny place to put that. Jesus knew what he was about to do, right? Hey, roll that stone away. Lazarus, come forth. Let's have a party. You thought he's dead. He's alive. I mean, kind of a funny place to weep, right? Um, hey, you ever come and there's someone who is struggling with something and they can't get it done and in walks dad, you know, the big strong guy, and he's like, I can do that. I don't usually come and sit down by my kids and say, oh, guys, you can't do it. This is impossible. Oh, guys, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, by the way, I can't do that. I don't do that. I come in there like the Savior. Daddy is here. dun ta da, da, da And I come in, I'm like, rah. Uh, you know, I'll lift you up. I'll let you touch the ceiling. You know why? Because I am the powerful daddy. You know, I come in and, and I rescue them, and I like that. I don't come in and sit down and weep with them first. And yet Jesus wept. Why did Jesus weep? Verse 33 says when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Jesus wept because those he loved wept. Jesus had a relationship with them. He knew he was about to rescue them. He knew everything was gonna be all right. They were weeping. They thought it was hopeless. They didn't have the faith that they needed. And Jesus looks down and he weeps with them because of his relationship with them. He came in their time of need. Um, I think of the disciples on the road to Emmaus and, and I don't have time to turn there. I, I, I think of this. I can't help as I was going back and I was thinking about different relationships with God and how God came to people. I couldn't help but think of times in my life when God came and brought me comfort. When as I was there and I didn't know what to do and God gave me comfort in my time of need. I already mentioned how uh, Psalms 91 verse 14 and 15 when the girls were in the hospital. uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, I run to that all the time. Comfort that God has given me in times when I need it. And I see this. Jesus goes to people in their time of need because he wants a relationship with them. But I also see this, not only does Jesus go to people in their time of need, but Christ came to people in his time of need. The Bible tells us in Mark 14, verses 32 and 34, and they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he saith to his disciples, sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John and begin to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And he saith unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. If I can I'll, um, paraphrase a little, here Jesus is going to do the hardest thing that anyone's ever done, right? He's going to the cross of Calvary to pay the price for us. As Jesus is going here, and if you will, struggling with this, and a lot of times I think of all the physical aspect of it, right? As Jesus goes in and they pluck his beard and rip it from his face, as they blindfold him and they beat him, they prophesy who it is that smiteth thee. As they take him and the Roman soldiers beat him with the cat of nine tails. As they nail him to the cross. I think of all those things. And I think of the physical aspect. Harder than anyone's gone through physically. Um, and, and I look at that, but, but that wasn't even the tip of the iceberg for him. And it was the fact that he became sin for us. He that knew no sin. He that had perfect communion with the Father would take our sin on him and become sin so that God had to turn his back. And you know, Jesus, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Man, the weight of everything was about to be placed on him. He would go and pray to the Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. I don't want this. I don't want to go through that. I don't want to become filth and sin. I don't want to do this. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Here is Jesus about to pray that prayer about to go to the Father. And he looks and says, will someone go with me? The disciples walk with him to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he gets there. And he says, guys, pray for me. Then he looks and says, Peter, James, and John, will you guys come a little farther? And they go with Jesus. And Jesus says, will you Pray for me. As he goes a little farther and he begins to entreat the father and pray to the father. You know the story. He prays for an hour. Comes back to the three men. He said, please go with me. And they're asleep. They fell asleep on their Lord. You know what I thought this? God desires and needs a relationship with me and with you. How many times has he come to us and said, will you go with me a little ways and pray with me? And we've fallen asleep. I need a relationship with God. I depend on that. And he needs a relationship with you and I. He depends on a relationship with you and I. Are we letting him down? he be discouraged disappointed with our relationship with him let's pray dear heavenly father I love you and lord I am sorry that my relationship is not always what it should be please work in us Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. You say, I know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. Would you raise your hand? I know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. I've got that settled, not a doubt. I think you can put your hands down. Maybe you're in here and you say, I don't know for sure. Never got that settled. You say, I don't know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. Would you raise your hand? Anyone say, I'm not 100% sure I'm on my way to heaven? Thank you for that. You know, you say, maybe my relationship hasn't been what it should be. Maybe there's times I have let God down. You say in some way this morning, God spoke to my heart. Would you raise your hand? It spoke to my heart in the message this morning. Thank you. can put your hands down. If you'd stand to your feet as the instruments play, the altar is open. Do business with God.
1: Trusting in his word Only trust him Only trust him Only trust him now He will save you He will save you He will save you now Yes, Jesus is the truth the way that leads you into rest? Believe in Him without delay, and you are full.